Jeroboam was actually, a, was evidently a popular figure, at least according to the polling, that was based upon whether people liked the idea of low taxes or not. So if Rehoboam would agree to this, then that would have likely assured Rehoboam of Jeroboam's following and all those with him in that regard. Rehoboam's at least wise enough to say, you know what, I should give it some thought. I want to see what's written in the bill, right? So he goes and he spends three days to at least consider the proposal. He counsels with his advisors. You may know this part of the story, young and old, as it fits in verse 6. So King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men. Now these are the men that had been the counsel to his father, Solomon. And uh, what counsel do you have for me, he says. And they spake unto him, saying, If thou be kind to this people and please them, and speak good words to them, they will be your servants forever. But he forsook the counsel which the old men gave, and he took counsel with the young men that were brought up with him, that stood before him. And he said unto them, What advice do you give? Return answer to this people which have spoken unto me, saying, Ease somewhat the yoke that thy father put on us, verse 10. And the young men that were brought up with him spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou answer the people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it somewhat lighter for us. Thus shalt thou say unto them, My little fingers shall be thicker than my father's loins. Whereas my father put a heavy yoke upon you, I'll put more to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. I think we saw that in Sunday school this morning these fire-throwing, torturous things. The older politicians advised Rehoboam that it was time to reduce taxes. But you all know far too well that politicians never want to reduce taxes. And so in true political fashion, Rehoboam pursues the tax and spend policy that was established by his father, promising to raise taxes even higher. Verse 12, so Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day as as they were instructed. Come again unto me on the third day. And the king answered them roughly. And the king Rehoboam forsook the counsel of the old men and answered them after the advice of the young men. My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add thereto. My father chastised you with whips. I'll chastise you with scorpions. So the king hearkened not unto the people. For the cause was of God, which we'll see in a moment, that the Lord might perform His word. What word was that? We'll see it. Which He spake by the hand of Ahijah, the Shilonite, to Jeroboam, the son of Nabat. Now, the word of the Lord that is referenced is found for us in 1 Kings. If you want to turn there or just listen as I read, 1 Kings chapter 11, down in verse 9. And the Lord was angry with Solomon. Why would God be angry with Solomon? Because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel. Why was his heart turned away from the Lord God of Israel? Do you remember that story? Because he had what? What? He got a lot of wives is what he's got. And these wives are not godly women. Which had appeared unto him twice. So God comes and speaks to him twice. He's still, by the way, if you... Speak to your children twice about something they've already disobeyed you once, but that's another time. And had commanded him concerning this thing, 
that he should not go after other gods that his wives brought into the scene, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded because he felt it was necessary to keep peace at home. I added that. Well, now the prophecy is fulfilled against the son of Solomon, and we read about this angry rebellion. I'm now back in 2 Chronicles chapter 10, down in verse 16. And when all Israel saw that the king would not hearken to them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we with David? And we have none inheritance in the son of Jesse, every man to your tents. O Israel, and now David, see to thine own house. So all Israel went to their tents. It's like every man for himself at this point. But as for the children of Israel that dwelt in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. Then King Rehoboam uh, sent Hadaram that was over the tribute, the taxes, and the children of Israel stoned him with stones that he died, but the king Rehoboam made speed to get up out of there quick and flee back to Jerusalem. And Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. Israel is now divided. It was prophesied previously. Israel refers to the majority. These are the ten northern tribes. Israel, now divided off. Judah refers to the minority. These are the two southern tribes. Benjamin, which was given to Rehoboam, as well as Judah, which of course was his. Rehoboam underestimates just how angry the people were over this tax issue that Solomon had established. His big government ideas and young ambitious friends then encouraged him to do another foolish thing. It takes us now to chapter 11, verse 1. Rehoboam was come to Jerusalem, and he gathered the house of Judah and Benjamin and hundred and fourscore thousand chosen men, which were warriors, to fight against Israel, that he might bring the kingdom back to himself, back to Rehoboam. But the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, the man of God, saying, Speak to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and all Israel that were in Judah, and Benjamin, saying, Thus saith the Lord, You shall not go up, nor fight against your brethren. Return every man to his house, for this thing is done of me. So this is the word of the Lord being fulfilled. And they obeyed the words of the Lord and returned from going against Jeroboam, leader of the tribes in the north. Then it talks about reinforcing the cities of the south, down to verse 11. And he fortified the strongholds, put captains in them, store of victuals and oil and wine in every several city, put shields and spears, made them exceeding strong, having Judah and Benjamin still on his side. Rehoboam had attempted civil rebellion. He said, I'm going to recapture the kingdom and make it all for myself. But God intervened. Rehoboam returned from going against Jeroboam. Instead, Rehoboam turns his attention to fortifying these cities. And all this civil unrest is due to Rehoboam's decision to listen to his young friends rather than the wise counsel of his father, uh, Solomon. Now there is a political imbalance. And this leads to the very thing that the tax and spend mindset wants to avoid, but it always comes. And the social injustice occurs because high taxes always undermine every noble political agenda. No matter the problem, throwing money at it will never solve the underlying 
issue. As John Wayne said, however, money may not solve the problem, but crying in a Mercedes-Benz is sure a whole lot better. You can figure out if that applies to you. But Paul said to Timothy, the love of money is, is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, so you're pursuing it, living in life in pursuit of money, you know that it's always going to cause you to err from the truth because you're going to compromise in some way, and it's going to pierce you through with many sorrows. always ends up in great sorrow. Well, this social injustice occurs, first of all, because of a political erosion Verse 13, chapter 11, 2 Chronicles, verse 13. And the priests and the Levites that were in all Israel, north, resorted down south to him. For the Levites left their suburbs and their possession and came to Judah and Jerusalem because Jeroboam and his sons had, had closed the churches, right? Cast them off from executing the priest's office unto the Lord and he ordained him priest in the high place. So Jeroboam ordained his own priest in the high places. What does the high place always refer to? Idol worship. For the devils and for the calves which he had made. Now I can cross-reference this for you just to hear a little backdrop to it. Again in Kings, 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 27. 1 Kings 12, 27. And if this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people be turned again to the Lord, even unto Rehoboam, the king of Judah, and they shall kill me, Jeroboam, and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves. Two calves. So these are the calves to these strange gods, and said unto them, It's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. It's a long trek. It's too far to go. Now he's got some, un, uh, you know, he's uh, deceiving them. It's too far to go to Jerusalem. You don't need to go all that way. Behold the gods of Israel that brought up out of Egypt. Yeah, he's twisting the truth. And he set the one in Bethel and the other in Dan. So you can go there. You don't have to go all the way to Jerusalem. And this thing became a sin. For the people went to worship before the one even unto Dan. And he made an house of high places and made priests of the lowest of the people. They, don't, they have no business being in charge of worship, which were not the sons of Levi. Notice how Jeroboam has twisted the truth. Behold the gods which brought you up out of Egypt. As he points to these golden calves, and then he appoints his friends who had little qualifications to be leaders. Meanwhile, those who are qualified lead, uh, leave and resort to Rehoboam. But still, this is all political. Not for the right reasons. First of all, Rehoboam still controls Jerusalem. So they think, okay, we're going to go to the guy that controls the place that we want to be. Second, he controls the money because these priests have no other source of income. Tithes are not being collected, but we can get paid if we go to Rehoboam. That's their thought. So the social injustice continues because seldom does the money collected end up in the hands of those who need it the most, but it ends up in a personal excess, and that is, back to 2 Chronicles chapter 11, down in verse 18, then King Rehoboam sent Hadaram, that was over the tribute, the taxes, the children of Israel stoned him, 
And uh, that's not what I want. I'm in chapter 11. Sorry, chapter 11. Go down. Is he doing something that has been forbidden? And so they bear him children, Jeush and Shemariah and Zam. And after her, he took another and another and another. Verse 21, and Rehoboam loved another above all his wives. He took 18 wives and three score concubines. This is just like his father. Not quite the same excess. Eight sons, three score daughters. And Rehoboam made Abijah, the son of Mahika, the chief, to be ruler among his brethren. For he thought to make him king. So one day he's going to be king. So get him some experience. And he dealt wisely. Hmm. And dispersed all of his children throughout all the countryside. And unto every fenced city. And he gave them victuals in abundance. And he desired many wives. I suppose that Rehoboam thought he was pretty smart. It says there he's wise. So he's got a divided kingdom. And he's got a place now that he needs to populate. This wisdom is not God's wisdom. This is the wisdom of the world. It says, you know what? I need people that are going to be loyal to me. So I'm going to have a bunch of kids. And I'm going to put my kids in charge of everything. And they'll be loyal to me. That's the wisdom that they're talking about here. Why is it that money makes some people think they can get away with what God clearly said you ought not to do? You know, the whole rules for thee, not me kind of thing. So what social order is being neglected? What is it? What, his father did the same thing. What social order is being It's the first institution established by God. One man, one woman, until death do you part. That's God's established order. Now you can take that a lot of places and to a lot of things these days, but anything other than that is against God's rule and it will be cursed. Having many wives is not just a custom of the day. You know, I can remember a Sunday school teacher reading something like this and say, well, you know, it was different then. It was just her custom. No, it was not just a custom of the day. It was customary, but it was wrong. It was declared wrong by God. Rehoboam's father Solomon lived with the most personal excess of all. What was his downfall? First Kings tells us. Solomon loved many foreign women. Rehoboam's tax and spend policies have led to civil insurrection, social injustice. Perhaps the worst is it led to spiritual inconsistency. Because when any people come to rely upon their government to provide for their needs more than their own personal responsibility, they are on a slippery slope of self-destruction. And the first thing to go off the edge is religious conviction in an effort to gain broader political support. I call this pandering to religion. Verse chapter 11 2 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 16. 
And after them, out of all the tribes of Israel, such as set their hearts to seek the Lord, God of Israel, came to Jerusalem to sacrifice the Lord God of their fathers. So they strengthened the kingdom of Judah and made Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, strong. Three years. And for three years, they walked in the way of David and Solomon. Now, do you recall, recall why these priests had come over to Rehoboam's side? Why they had resorted to Jerusalem back in verse 13 and 14? Because Jeroboam had closed all the churches. So now this is sort of an unintended consequence of Jeroboam sending all the priests south. Jeroboam, the north, was pandering to the liberal left. Rehoboam in the south was pandering to the religious south, uh, right. Make no mistake about it. Neither political persuasion was anything more than a means to gain enough votes to stay in power. That's all it is. Don't fool yourself. That's all that's going on here. But notice the unintended consequence. Jerusalem, when Jeroboam turned them out, closed all their churches, they headed south. And now his kingdom is strengthened by this preaching and teaching and walking in the ways of the Lord. But how quickly... Political leaders can turn how quickly most of us will relax our convictions when the good times return. Now I'm in chapter 12, verse 1. And it came to pass, when Rehoboam had established the kingdom, he's gained strength. People are starting to think he's got something here. Things are going pretty well. He forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. And his father recorded in Proverbs 14, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And within five short years, Judah is plundered and the king of Egypt, verse 2, and he came to pass in the fifth year of the king Rehoboam, Shishak, the king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem because they had transgressed against the Lord. As a result, verse 6, whereupon the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves and they said, the Lord is righteous. See how they call upon, and we do the same. We call upon God when times are tough and we see no way out. We think, man, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. We say, the Lord is righteous. And when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, which is just amazing to me, with everything that's going on, when they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah saying, they have humbled themselves, therefore I will not destroy them. Now I'm still going to grant some deliverance, and my wrath shall not be poured out upon Jerusalem by the hand of, of uh, Shishak, verse 8. Nevertheless, they shall be his servants. So they're still going to serve Egypt, but they're not going to be utterly destroyed that they may know my service and the service of the kingdoms of the countries. Not only that, but he, that is Rehoboam, verse 12, humbled himself and the wrath of the Lord turned from him that he would not destroy him altogether. And also Judah, things went well. So King Rehoboam strengthened himself again in Jerusalem and he reigned. But this was only, at least it only seems to be pacifying of religious fervor because he continued to do evil verse 14 and he did evil because he had prepared not his heart to seek 
the Lord. This was a humbling experience for young Rehoboam. He was used to living high on high taxes. As a symbol of his humbling experience, the golden shields, verse 9, of the temple are removed. They all had to be remade out of a cheaper metal brass, so it's of much lesser value. Rehoboam now seems to realize that the golden age of the kingdom is not going to live on forever as he had thought. So he humbles himself. The Lord spares him, but his heart still had not been changed. It reveals the amazing mercy of God. They, they turned back to the Lord. They started calling upon the Lord. And even though truly their hearts had not been changed, but yet there was enough people there that started to call upon the Lord. God, remember, told his father Solomon, if my people, 2 Chronicles 7, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked way, will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. 2 Chronicles 7. So King Rehoboam, verse 13, chapter 12, verse 13, strengthened himself in Jerusalem. He reigned. Rehoboam was one and forty, so now he's just 41 years old. And he reigned 17 years beyond that. The city which the Lord had chosen of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. And his mother's name was Naamah. And Amatitis. Hmm. Interesting. Dwell on that just for a moment. There is one reproach from which Rehoboam cannot escape. For the scripture says his mother was an Ammonitis. I find it interesting that throughout the record of the kings you will read that phrase. We know about the father, we know all about the exploits and whatever else the father did, but then there's always this phrase that follows, and his mother was, and we learn something from the mother that we would not otherwise know about this son from the father. Rehoboam's father Solomon, we might imagine he grew up in great privilege, he must have inherited much, but there's something of this young man's character that is revealed by knowing the woman that gave birth to him, that nursed him, that talked with him day after day, hour after hour. Now you think about it. When the camera turns on the athlete, right? Who does the athlete give credit to? Now every once in a while you hear the Lord, and that's terrific. But no athlete ever says, hey, Dad, who do they always give tribute to? The coach, you say? Mom. The mom is what I hear the most. Sometimes the coach, sometimes the testimony of the Lord, and that's really terrific. You may have heard some things the past couple of weeks. But it's always the mom, right? Hey, Mom, it's always the mom. Whatever else there may be, the mom is the one lasting influence that stays with this son or daughter. Now listen to me carefully. Young men can grow to greatness despite the father's failure. Fathers, we admit that, right? We, we're not perfect. We're out there. We're, we're in the limelight and we're, we get a lot of credit. We get a lot of blame and there's, there's no doubt we have failed along the way. But a young man can outlive the effects of a failed father. 
But he cannot live to greatness without the constant influence of a good mother. And that's a terrific message for a Mother's Day. We need mothers, grandmothers. We need ladies who will be that constant, consistent influence in the lives of their sons and their daughters. We fathers have made a mess of it from time to time. But we're still going to trudge forward. We're still going to keep doing our thing. We'll, we'll have great messages for leaders of, of, among fathers. But when, when the world is going to hell in a handbasket, the one thing that we cannot overcome is when mothers fail the home. You are the last resort, if you will, of standard against evil in our world. Rehoboam's mother was an Ammonitess. That is, she was a descendant of Lot. One of the wives of Solomon that had turned his heart to many foreign gods. Associated with the Moabites, they had opposed Israel from the very time they came up first out of Egypt. They worshipped Molech, which required human sacrifice of their young. As a result, great judgment was prophesied against these people. This Ammonitess mother simply did not know how to capture the heart of her son Rehoboam for the things of the Lord. And as a result, Rehoboam quickly returns to evil. Verse 14, which I, I suppose I read, and he did evil because his heart was not prepared. His mother had not prepared him. And the acts of Rehoboam first and last are they not written in the books of Shemaiah, the prophet, and of Edu and Seir concerning genealogies? And there were wars between Rehoboam and, Jen and Jeroboam continually. And Rehoboam slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And Abijah, his son, reigned in his stead. Let me close with this illustration. I, I think I first gave it to you, of those who were with us on a Wednesday night. This is from Edward Gibbon in a book entitled The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. It's an old, old book. Let me give you these five things that, that caused the decline in this man's summary of the Roman Empire. First of all, the rapid increase of divorce undermining the sanctity of the home, which he wrote is the basis of human society. I just talked to a fellow yesterday. They've been through some terrible, terrible, you don't know this person. They've been through some terrible, terrible things together. And he looked at me and said, I just don't think we're going to survive. Secondly, higher and higher taxes and the spending of public money for free bread, free entertainment for the populace. Third, the mad craze for pleasure and the increasing sort of brutality of sports. Number four, the building of gigantic armaments, which as he says, was the real, when the real enemy was within. Fifth, the decay and increasing irrelevance of religion to the daily life of people. Church is becoming irrelevant. We saw how quickly, how quickly people just stayed away. It's becoming irrelevant 
to the influence of our society. Perhaps these five reasons sound familiar to our present day. And young Rehoboam, maybe he just sounds like a modern politician. Yet most of us continue to resign ourselves to the inevitability of death and taxes. It's just the way it is. And most seem to have more fear about facing a tax audit than facing the finality of death. Just remember, my friend, it is appointed unto men once to die, after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him, he shall appear a second time without sin unto salvation, Hebrews 9. Big brother can't save you. But I can introduce you to a person who will stick closer to you than a brother. His name is Jesus. For all that you may say is wrong in the world today, there is truly nothing new under the sun. Would you agree with that? Right? And there is truly no solution. The same we saw there. There's no solution for it other than the Lord Jesus Christ.